0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can be seated. Uh, We're going to get right into this tonight. If you're following actual Bible, Numbers chapter 15. I wanna to talk to you about the riveting topic of fashion and tassels on our garments and what God says about that. It's been a, a privilege being with you all weekend. As as always, I would look forward to this anytime. We're gonna get together and, and make the schedule up to make sure that I come by here on a regular basis because I, I just like you guys and Yeah, I like hanging out here. Um um, afterwards, our resource table's set up. As always, we give all that away. Um, but I've been here all week, so uh, for Vicky's sake and for mine, um, the fulfillment of Scripture is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So here's the thing. Here's what I've noticed about this church. This church has a real chatting culture, <laughs> right? And I'm really happy about that. I think it's great, because when I'm at a church and everybody runs out, that tells me something about their community, right? I think it's healthy. And here's the thing. If you know I'm not going to get anything, God bless you. I'll see you next time I'm through, right? But if you know before I leave here tonight, I'm going to grab something. If you could do me a favor, if you could buy first and chat second, that would be awesome, right? (laughs) The reason is, is because we got to pack it all up. i got to drive it to Narrabri, and then i got to drive it to Glen Ennis. And then I got to drive it to Newcastle, and then drive it down to Penrith, and then um, and then um, I'll, I'll mail it back from there. I got to fly to Melbourne. I'm with Bridge Church um, in Richmond um, next weekend, and then on Monday in Frankston, Tuesday in Cheltenham, Wednesday Cheltenham, Thursday Mount Evelyn, and then I get to go back to Brisbane on August 30th. So so we got we're pretty busy, right? So if if you could if you could do me a favor, and if you if you want something, if you could do so in the first ten minutes or so after church, that'd be. That'd be just fantastic so so the order tonight is buy then chat right is buy and, and then chat right, and so if we do that, um, we'll get out of here at a reasonable time, especially for Vicky, who's been a flipping legend all weekend helping me out all right all right, here is numbers fifteen this is this is God uh, telling people how to dress, which is uh. Let's just be honest, quite riveting. Here we go. This is Numbers uh, 15, verse 37. And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you're to make tassels on the corner of your garment uh, with a blue cord on each tassel. And you'll have these tassels. Keep going. And you'll have these tassels to look at so that you'll remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourself by chasing after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. And then you'll remember Uh, to obey all my commands so the key to this is to remember you see that a lot and be consecrated to the Lord your God uh, for I keep going for I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God for I am the Lord your God so he says what I want you to do is I want you to make tassels and I want you to attach them to the corners of of your garment, and the reason for this is, is because human beings um, tend to operate the best when they have tactile reminders on how to live, tactile reminders on what truth is. We still do this today. People often have little trinkets, not because the trinkets have inherent power, but because those trinkets remind them of some memory or some touchstone or some truth they learned a long time ago. Or they they might even have a Bible verse on a bracelet just to just to remind them, wait a minute, wait a minute, hang on. This is this is a very common thing uh, to do. So he says, I want you to have this to remember, to look at it, so that you'll remember that my ways brought you from slavery to Egypt. My ways brought you from darkness to light. My ways brought you from slavery to freedom. My ways are the best ways for your life. He said, I want you to do to do this. And I want you to wear it. And I want you to look at it often. I want you to remember it. Now, there's a couple of things. Anytime I speak, I want Jesus to get bigger. The cross to work better. The resurrection to be central. I want scriptures to get bigger, not smaller. If you'll hang in there, trust me all that is going to happen. All right? So, let me teach you some keywords. Now I'm going to ask you to repeat some of these words with me, and I want you to do it with some go new South Wales blues gusto, okay? All right? All right. So, so the first one is the word kanaf. This is how it sounds, all right? Kanaf. Ready? Go. Kanaf. That's very good. Let's try that again. Go. Kanaf. A kanaf is the corner of one's garment, okay? Now, there's only 8,000 words in ancient Hebrew. And so, one word had to mean A lot of different things. So the corner of one's garment was a corner, a border, a hem, or it could mean wings. And the reason that it started to mean wings is if I spread this out as so, when people started blessing, you could see where that started to mean the wings Of a garment. So, kanaf was, a. I want you to put tassels on it. Now, the most important word I'm going to teach you tonight is the second one. And that word sounds like this. Talit. Can you say that with me with some gusto? Talit. Let's try that again. Talit. One more time because it's really important. Talit. Now, this is a talit. A talit is a garment. But it was more than that. This was an exact replica model of the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. It, it they, they was a micro, it was exact, it was to, it was to the scale. The, the reason is, is because the, the, the veil that held the Holy of Holies, they, they thought of it as having the presence of God, right? And so the, the issue was, was that no one ever got to see that, only, only the priest, and it, it was really, really a special thing. It's, it's sort of like this. How many men in Australia want to drive a Ferrari? All of them. How many of them can afford to drive a Ferrari? None of them. And so, and so what they do is they buy these little scale model Ferraris and, and they put them up on their mantelpiece and some small primal DNA blood level, it lets us think for a small bit we own a Ferrari, even though we don't. But that was the idea. Now, what they would do is they would wear this. If you'll give me a second, I'm going to throw this around my shoulders. Give me a second. They would wear this. And this is literally called a tallit. Uh, a, 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 a garment. But, but figuratively and symbolically, it was the presence of God. The idea was is that you put on the garment of praise. You wear Christ. You do this. The idea and, and the application is is that your best life is found not in separating God here, not there. Like you can't organize your life where God is here but not there. That God is with you everywhere you go, everything you do, everything you say, how you treat the waitress when she gets your order, how you treat your husband when he leaves his underwear on the floor for the 18,000th time is spiritual. See, see in, in, Hebrew, in Hebrew, there is no word for spiritual. If you ask a Jew, how's your spiritual life? They're like, what, what? What are you talking about? The whole thing is, is spiritual. How you treat your husband when he does something like that is spiritual. How you treat your wife when she disappoints you is spiritual. How you treat someone when they cut you off in busy Tamworth traffic is spiritual. Spiritual. How you treat someone at Kohl's when they get in the express lane with 11 items in a 10-item lane is spiritual. It's spiritual that you can't organize your life where God is here, but not there. So they would wear the presence of God everywhere they went in order to remind them of that, that God is with me everywhere I go. Everything I do, everything I say, every kind word, every encouraging action, every act of love, everything I do, everything I say, God is wrapped in the middle of it. No matter how big or how small that God is in and through and holding all things together, that God is holding me right now. This was a tallit, and this was a, a physical reminder of that. Now, there's two other words that are going to come into play later, but I want to teach them to you now. The first one is the word teme. With that same amount of gusto, could you say that with me? tameh? right? Now, teme is unclean, unclean. So if you got leprosy or something, you'd have to announce that. You go, teme, 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 unclean, unclean. Unclean, And, of course, the, the, the opposite of unclean would be clean, and that word is tahor. Can you say that word with me? Tahor. Now, I realize in English that sounds like the unclean one, but it's the, actually the, the clean one. So, so tameh was unclean. Tahor was clean. But the most important thing I want us to remember is that this is a tallit, and it means the presence of God. Now, he says, I want you to put tassels on the corner of your tallit. Now, there's all this imagery around that. Let me show you this. Next slide. So so the tassels, I'm going to hold this up as, as good as I can. Um, there's five knots in that tassel, one for each book of the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The idea was, it's not just that you're carrying the presence of God. Everybody carries the presence of God in some shape, form, or fashion because he's holding all things together. It's not just about carrying the presence of God. It's how you carry the presence of God. Are you carrying the presence of God as it is attached to the Word of God? Are you carrying it that way? Also, between the five knots are the four spaces, one for each letter in the holy name Yahweh, Yud, He. Hey, Vav. Hey. So it's not just carrying the presence of God. It's how you carry the presence of God. It's carrying it like the, with the word of God and the name of God. The name of God was defined in Exodus 34. He is the Lord, the Lord. He is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness. That was the definition of the name of God. So today when we say in the name of Jesus, it's not like over and out 10-4. It's not, it's not a sign off. It's not, it's not an exclamation point for our own moral code. Actually to say in the name of Jesus Jesus means to be in the disposition of Messiah, the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness, God. They quote that all the time, sometimes positively, like in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and in all that is within me. Bless his holy name, and forget not his benefits, who heals all of your diseases and forgives all of your sins, who is the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness, God, who does not treat us as our iniquities deserve, but gives us mercy that's new every morning or it's also quoted negatively like in Jonah i know it I knew you were going to forgive the Ninevites. I knew you were compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness, God. That's why I didn't want to come here. What you find in the book of Jonah is that Jonah wanted God to be merciful to him but judge his enemies. But what he finds in that story is that God is not nearly as interested in getting his enemies as he is. And God is not nearly as interested in getting you as your enemies are. God is just compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness. So the issue isn't the anointing. The anointing, is a given the issue is are you carrying your anointing well are you carrying it as attached to the word of God and the name of God are you a compassionate gracious slow to anger abounding in love and forgiveness God or are you an anointed jerk that's the idea the idea is is how are you carrying it now on this tassel it takes 613 loops to make that tassel there's exactly 613 commands in the Torah so it's, it's, it's the presence of God, but it's the presence of God as it is attached to the word of God, the name of God, the ways of God. And, and, and also, also, every tassel ends with eight strands. Eight is the number of new beginnings. It's the number of grace. It's the number of, of a fresh start, a clean slate, a mulligan, and the opportunity to write a better story if you fail. So, so on, on every garment were these physical reminders that, yes, we all are held together by the presence of God. But it's not just that. It's the word of God. It's the name of God. It's the ways of God. It's the grace of God when we fail, all attached to the presence of God. So what they would do is when they wore their garment, they would take the tassels and wrap it around their hand like so. And so they would look at it. God's ways brought me from slavery to freedom. God's ways brought me from darkness to light. God's ways brought me from Egypt to Israel. It's the word of God. It's the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. They would look at it and remind themselves to be compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. They would remind themselves so that any time before they sinned with their hands, they had to physically unwrap God. That was the idea. It was a deterrent to destroying yourself. That there, and, and Oh, by the way, there's all this imagery around this. Remember, there's this one time that Jesus says, beware of Pharisees who wear their tassels too long. That's in the book of Luke. He says, beware of Pharisees who wear their tassels too long. In other words, be careful of people who are too loud about how spiritual they are. They're normally not that spiritual. And, you know, that's my experience and yours, right? Like, if I show up at a church and someone goes, I'm the prophet of this house. Normally not. People who call themselves prophets, normally not prophets. Normally not prophets. The real prophets are the ones that someone else warned you about. They're like, watch out for that dude. That dude can read your mail. Right? It's that, it's that one, right? Or, or, or somebody, if somebody comes up to me and says, I'm the prayer warrior here. Normally not. Normally not. Because in my experience, the prayer warrior is normally somewhere Praying, right? So it's that. So, so Jesus says, beware of people who make too loud of an announcement of how well they carry the word of God, the name of God, the ways. Be careful about people who wear their tassels too long. Remember there's this one psalm. It says, under the shadow of your wings, knoth. Like God doesn't have wings. It's under, the, it's under the shadow of the word of God, the name of God, the ways of God, the grace of God, the, the, the nature. Under the shadow of your wings. Remember there's this one time. That, that David, um, David killed a giant, remember? And, 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 and he gets very, very popular with everybody except Saul. And Saul starts chasing him around. And, Kay, and David is hiding in this cave. And it's very dark. And so it says that Saul goes in there to use the toilet, right? In English it says use the toilet. In Hebrew it says he went in there to uncover his feet, which is a whole other thing. Anyway, so he, he goes in there to use the toilet. And it says that David snuck up behind him. And he chops off the corner of Saul's garment. Well, hang on a second. If Saul's the king of Israel, what would have been attached to the corner of his garment? Tassels, right? So Saul finishes his business. And he comes out into the light and he puts his garment back on. And he reaches, as he would by custom, for his tassels. But he can't find them. And then off in the distance is David holding up the corner of his garment. And it says Saul saw it as a reproach. Of course he did. What's David saying? I cannot touch the anointing on your life. That is above my pay grade. But what I can do is give commentary on how you're carrying it. You still have the anointing, but you're tassel free. The way you're carrying it stinks to high heaven. You still have the anointing that is without repentance. But the way you're carrying it has lost touch with something bigger than that. See, there's all of this stuff going on going on in scripture when you see this right now an interesting prophecy comes about about how to recognize messiah because there's going to be a lot of people claiming to be messiah as a matter of fact there was 24 different messiahs in a 120 year period of time surrounding Jesus right so there's a lot of people claiming to be messiah and this prophet Malachi at the very end of the Old Testament, he gives us a rule by which we could recognize Messiah. Watch what he says. This is at the very end of the Old Testament. Malachi 4.2. But for you who revere my name, the Son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. The word is kanaf. In other words, you could tell who Messiah is by whether there's healing In the tassels on the corner of his garment. Hmm, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 is an interesting story about a synagogue ruler named Jairus. And Jairus comes to Jesus because his little daughter is very, very sick and about to die. So Jairus comes to Jesus and begs Jesus, please take time out of your schedule to come pray for my one little girl, for my little girl's going to die. Now here's the thing. When we look at Mark chapter 5, we got to remember Mark chapter 5 is all about Jairus's daughter. Cuz Jairus's daughter's very sick, and if we forget the fact that it's all about Jairus's daughter, what happens next might distract us from the fact that he was going to go pray for Jairus's daughter cuz what happens next is pretty spectacular. And sometimes it's so spectacular that we lose sight that the whole thing was about Jesus getting to Jairus's daughter. So tonight we don't want to lose sight of the fact that he was going to go pray for Jairus's daughter cuz Jairus' daughter is very sick, and Jairus came to him and said, please come pray for my daughter, and Jesus like, of course I'll pray for your daughter and Jairus is like, please God, please come pray for my daughter, so Jesus is going to go pray for Jairus' daughter, and we don't want to forget that he's going to go pray for Jairus' daughter because what happens next is pretty crazy and we might lose sight of the fact that he's going to go pray for Jairus' daughter, and if we ever lose sight of the fact he's going to go pray for Jairus' daughter, we might miss the whole point of the story, so we need to for tonight at least, remember that the whole story is about Jesus going to go pray for Jairus' daughter because we don't want to forget that Jairus' daughter is sort of the point of the story so let's remember that tonight in Mark chapter 5 Jesus was going to go pray for (sighs) when Jesus had to get crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake a large crowd gathered around him and then one of the synagogue leaders a guy named Jairus he came and when he saw Jesus he fell at his feet this is a posture of begging keep going and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter's dying. Please come put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So this is all about Jesus gonna go pray for Jairus' daughter, because daughter is very sick. And we definitely don't want to forget about that because if we forget about that, we're going to miss the whole point of the story. So Jesus is on his way to pray for Jairus' daughter because Jairus' daughter is going to die if he doesn't get there and pray for her. So we got to remember that this is going to happen. He is going to go pray for Jairus' daughter. Now, here's the thing. On his way to pray for Jairus' daughter, it says that there was a lady with an issue of bleeding for 12 years that had an encounter with this crowd. Stop. Now, Couple things about this. First, we have to understand that Hebrew people don't read the Bible to be right. They read the Bible to not miss out. That's two different things, right? No, no Hebrew person goes, give me the one right interpretation for something. Hebrew people, when you read scripture, they want to hear it from several different angles. As a matter of fact, Hebrew people read every scripture through at least four levels, They actually call it a 70-faceted diamond. That every letter in Scripture is like a 70-faceted diamond, and it depends on how you turn it as to how the light reflects through it. It's a brilliant way to to look at it. Now, they read it at least through four levels. Now, if you're a nerd and you need to know the name of the four levels, the name of the four levels are Peshat, Ramez, Drash, and Sud. If you're not a nerd, one, two, three, four. Now, the Peshat is the plainest, simplest thing going on. So in this story, there's a lady who's been bleeding. I think we can presume some sort of female problem. She's been bleeding, and it says for 12 years. Hang on a second. How'd they know that? What if it was 11 years and 9 months? What if it was 12 years and 3 months? Who signs up to volunteer that kind of information? See, there's something else, there's something else going on here. So the Rames is a hint or an allusion to something. So when a Jewish audience reads the number 12, what do they see? Twelve tribes, they see themselves. So on one level, this is about one lady at one moment at one time who's bleeding beyond medical care, and she needs a touch from God. On another level, this is about an entire nation needing a touch from God because they're leaking life, okay? So there's this, this is about me, it's about you, it's about them. This is about anybody leaking life and needing a touch from God. Now, here's what happens. She's been bleeding for for some amount of time and is very, very sick, all right? So let's stop and let's think about that for a second. If you're a woman and you've been bleeding for a very long time, how are you feeling? She's feeling emotionally drained, physically horrible. There was no iron tablets back then. There was no blood transfusions. Medicine hadn't progressed very far at this point it just bit of a terrible. Now, the other thing we got to understand is this. In Jewish culture, there's only two types of people. There are Tame people, unclean, and there are tahor people, clean. Okay? Now, we tend to define sin very poorly. We define sin as when you do bad things. Okay? But in the scripture, sin is defined as anything that's not perfect. And anything that's not perfect made you unclean. Let me give you a few examples. In Leviticus, it was tamay, it was a sin to have dandruff. Okay? So, why don't you just check your neighbor right now and see if they're living in sin? Check their shoulders, right? See if they have some sin in their life, right? It was a sin to have any skin rash. So, if you're here tonight and you got a rash we don't know about, would you just raise your hand so we know who's unclean? I don't even know how you lived back then, right? By the way, in Leviticus, it was a sin for a woman to give birth, which from the looks of things in here, there's been some sinning going on, right? In Leviticus chapter 12, it says, after a woman gives birth, she must come bring an offering to atone for her sin of loss of blood, because loss of blood was never part of the original plan, right? Right. Oh, by the way, it was a sin to have a period. So oh, so if you're here tonight and you're on your period, could you just sort of let us know, so we know, like, uh, you know, right? Right. So then what they did I oh, want to know how you lived back then. Then what they did is they created a lot of other man-made rules to create more barriers around that. Fences after fences to be more protective. So here's what they said. Not only, because here's the problem. TMA was very contagious. So if you have dandruff and I touch you, now I'm unclean. And they did this, they did this, wait, to profiteer on people's spiritual guilt. Right? Because if we make more people unclean, then more people have to go to the temple and buy sacrifices, which conveniently we sell. So you had people profiteering on people's spiritual guilt, which we would never do. But nonetheless, they did that. Right? So then they made it even worse. They said, not only is it a sin to touch a woman who's on her period, it's a sin to touch a chair a woman who's been on her period had sat on in the last three days. Right? So, if you're here tonight and you're on your period and you don't want to raise your hand, could you at least put a sign in the chair so we know what chairs? Like, that's, who could live like that, right? right. They, here was one. They said it's a sin to touch furniture where a married couple had been intimate in the last three days. Like, what'd you do? Put a sign up? I don't know. I was teaching this once in a pastor's home and he made everybody get off the sofa. <laughs> he was 75. I'm a new hero. So so this lady with an issue of bleeding, think about this. Think about it emotionally. She would have been considered what? Unclean. Unclean, Tamay, right? Let me me paint a picture of that. She would not have been purposely touched in 12 years. She would have walked into a room and good-hearted people would have put their hands behind their back. And walked away. And it's not because they're being mean. They literally could not afford to touch her. Or had they'd have to. Could you imagine the emotional pain she's in? And here's what happens. She hears that Jesus is on his way to pray for Jairus' daughter. And she knows the scripture. If he is who he says he is, there's an easy way to find out. There should be healing in the corner of his garment. Here's the problem. She's an outcast. How does she get close enough to touch him? Hold on. She's Tam-A. Here's what she does. She puts her elbows out and is like, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, right? The path would have just cleaned out. They can't afford to touch her. She reaches up and she grabs the corner of Of his garment. And she gets instantly healed. Now, here's what's important. First, Jesus doesn't even mention the healing. He says, go in peace. Or go in shalom. Go, hey, all that emotional pain. Go without that. Don't make the next husband pay for the sins of the one that left you. Don't don't make the next group of friends pay for the sins of the group of friends that's been rejecting you. Don't do that kind of stuff. Jesus also does something that you never see him do before and you never see him do again. This is like, when Jesus healed people, it was normally, let's keep this on the down low and shut our mouth about this, not this time. This lady reaches up, grabs the corner of his garment and Jesus says this, who touched me? Who touched me? Power has left from me. Who touched me? Who touched me? Power has left from me. Does that sound like Jesus to you? No, that sounds like Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Luke, the force, has left me, right? This is so weird. And, and it broke with tradition. Look, would rabbis have prayed for sick people? Yes. Would they have laid hands on sick people? Yes. Would they have touched them? No. Would they have laid hands on them? Yes. Would they have touched them? No. Would they have laid hands on them? Yes. Would they have actually touched them? No. Think about that till tomorrow, right? Because in a Western world where we take everything literally, laying hands on somebody, right? In their world, laying hands on somebody just meant to impart something that's within your authority to impart, right? But here's what happens here Jesus goes, Who touched me? Who touched me? power has left from me and they figure out it's the lady with the issue of blood now why is that important because now the whole crowd is going to think he is tam which is the whole gospel in a nutshell is that the one who knew no sin was willing to become unclean so that the one who actually was unclean could know a bit of peace and wholeness and cleanness this is the whole gospel told in one narrative this is like the whole thing right now here's why this is important where was Jesus going? Jairus' daughter. So one of the greatest miracles Jesus ever does was actually an interruption to his schedule. Which leads me to all kinds of, uh, of applications around, if God can't interrupt your schedule, you might miss some of the greatest things God will ever do. What seems like a disaster actually, actually is something that God might be using. Now, this turns disastrous very quick. Watch this. Next slide. This is 10 verses later, 11. While Jesus was still speaking... Some of the people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said this. Your daughter's dead. Why bother the rabbi anymore? Okay, first, rude. Let's think about that for a second. Jairus, your daughter's dead. Why even bother the rabbi anymore? Can we agree together that's rude? That's like really, really rude. That's first. Secondly, let's read this emotionally for a second. If you have a daughter, and she dies, and someone delivers the news that way, "Jesh, your daughter's dead. Why bother the rabbi anymore? What is your first emotion? Devastation. What's your second emotion? Disbelief. Third emotion, wrath. Anger. At who? No, not Jesus. You can't be mad at the Lord, Right? <laughs> You're mad at the woman, right? Stupid woman. Been bleeding 12 years, can't wait 20 minutes. Your issue could have waited. You know what? If you hadn't stopped us, he'd have made it to my daughter. But because you didn't care, my daughter is now dead. Now, a couple things about this. Why were they so rude? What was Jairus' job? He's a synagogue leader, which means he has to keep the law, right? Jericho, your daughter's dead. Why bother the rabbi anymore? It's important. You gotta, you, we have to understand Levitical and Deuteronomy law on this. In the Torah, it was a sin to knowingly walk into a room where a dead body is. You couldn't know that there was a dead body in there and still choose to walk in there. That was a sin. Unless you were already considered unclean. Who touched me? Who touched me? Power has left from me. Hey, I need all of you to look over here. This lady with an issue of bleeding, she just touched me. I need all of you to think I'm unclean. Otherwise, they wouldn't have let him in the room. Jesus covers his bases. and He's like, ah, she's not dead. She's just asleep. Wink, wink. Right? So here's what happens. Jesus then covers his bases both ways. An unclean woman has touched him. He doesn't mention the healing. They think he's unclean. He then now can go in this room. He covers his bases the other end by saying, she's not dead, she's asleep. Watch what happens. Next slide. And he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And he put them all out, and he took the child's father, mother, and the disciples who were with him, and went in where the child was. So they led him into the room where the dead body is. Now, before we go further, this is called a talit. Everybody together, talit again, talit, and it means the presence of God. Literally, it's a garment. But figuratively, it's the presence of God. And if Jesus is a rabbi, and he was, he would have had what wrapped around his hands? Tassels. Watch what happens. Next slide. And he took her by the hand. Hang on a second. If it's against the law to walk into the room of a dead body, is it against the law to touch one? Oh, yeah. This is a major act of faith. If she doesn't get up, we got a problem. And in this story, Jesus reaches down. And takes her by the hand. What would have been wrapped around his hand? Tassels. So in the first part of the story, you have a lady reaching up and grabbing the tassels. In the second part of the story, you have Jesus reaching down to a person who's hopeless. So in the first part of the story, a lady gets touched by God because she's reaching up for him. In the second part of the story, a person gets touched by God because Jesus is reaching down for her, even after she's dead, right? Now, watch what he says. He takes her by the hand, serves the tassels to her, and he says, Talit, ha, kum, little girl, I say to you, get up. But remember, what is a talit in their culture? The presence of God. Literally, he says, he says, little girl, the presence of God is here. It's time for you to arise. Talit, ha, kum, little girl, the presence of God is here. It's time for you to get up. I have preached every day except one in August. And I can tell you that I waited till right now to stand on this stage and say to you, Talit ha-kum, my child, the presence of God is here. It's time for you to get up. <laughs> say, but Shane, I lost my job. I lost my job. Good. Good. Start the business. It's time for you to get up. Look, what looks like a disaster might be the very thing that makes a way for you to do something. That's what happens in this story. Oh, Shane, she left me. She left me. She left me. Good. Good. You just got given a do-over. Ask your friend. She was hard work. It's time for you to get up. Five years ago is long enough to mourn. You only got one life to live, bro. Get up. But Shane, he left me. He left me. All right. It's time for you to rise and get up. You're going to wallow in that depression the rest of your life? It is time for you to get up. Talit kum, my child. The presence of God is here. It's time for you to get up. Now, it is irresponsible of me to preach a message like this without at least taking a second and making this obvious point. Matter of fact, my, my conscience wouldn't let me do it. And that is this. It is irresponsible to presume upon the power of God to fix something that you could easily fix yourself. It's irresponsible to presume upon God to fix stupidity. Like, like, that is the second temptation of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, throw yourself off this mountain. And because God's got such a big plan for your life, he'll catch you. And remember, Jesus, he's like, um, probably. But why would I test him when I could just not jump? Right? And look, I'm confident that I speak for the leaders here. Okay, And if I don't, I humbly apologize. It's not my place. But I'm pretty safe about this one. If you get lung cancer, we will pray with all of our heart that God will heal you from that lung cancer. But we would much rather you quit smoking today than need a miracle in 30 years. Right? If you need a financial breakthrough, we will pray for you for God to give you a financial breakthrough. Absolutely. But we'd also like to know that you're getting up before 10 and you're showing up at work on time right, and you're working hard, right, we'd like to know that, you're having some sort of financial plan, and you're not being frivolous, we'd like to know that as well, I I don't know if this is getting across, um, uh, maybe, okay, I'll go Joyce Meyer on you, um, I like Joyce, and so maybe that'll, maybe that'll preach, um, If it's within your power to change your life, get off your butt and change your life. Don't you let me come back here next year and find you in the same exact place you are right now. If it's within your power to do something about your life, get off your butt and do something about your life. It is within your power to change your life, then change your life. I love Joyce. Maybe you don't. Maybe um, maybe Joel Osteen's more your speed. You're a champion. God loves you. You don't let that devil get in your head and get you all negative. You tell him to go on back to hell where he came from. Me and Victoria, we were talking the other day about what daddy you say about y'all. And y'all aren't just beautiful people. Y'all are champions. So the next time that devil gets in your head and goes round and round and round and round, you just reach deeper down inside of you. You become the champion God intended you to be. (laughs) Whatever. In other words, if it's within your power to change your life, change your life. But... If you live long enough, you're going to take all the medicine, and it's not enough. It's not enough. Listen, if you have strep throat, you don't need prayer. You need amoxicillin. It'll fix it in a day. I think I speak for the leaders of the church to say, take your medicine. But there's going to come a day you're going to take all your medicine. And it might not be enough. There's gonna come a day someone you love has taken all their medicine and it still ain't enough. There's gonna come a day where that 27 year old child, you've done all you could do and they're still off the rails. There's gonna come a day, there is gonna come a day where where you might have done all you could do to save the relationship and they're still leaving. And it's in that moment that that's your only hope is a touch from the word of God, the name of God, the ways of God, the grace of God, and the nature of God, all attached to the presence of God, has carried a Messiah. That's, that's when that is. Oh, by the way, you want to see something cool? Right, let me, let me show you one more thing, just one more thing. Let me show you this, this is too cool. Next slide. And immediately the girl stood up, now that's cool, and began to walk around. Oh, wait a minute, how old was she? Oh, she was 12. uh so, so this little girl's been alive as long as that lady's been bleeding hmm maybe they knew each other I know that's not the point the point is on one level there's a little girl on another level it's an entire nation needing a touch at this they were completely astonished you think and he gave them strict orders not to let anyone know that's Jesus that's, that's the, the who touched what No, that, that, don't let anybody know about this and he told them to give her something to eat why would you do that? Well, being resurrected, you work up an appetite. I don't know. That's what I think. <laughs> it would have also proved to everybody she wasn't a ghost. Because when you eat and it doesn't fall through, it's quite So. <laughs> so, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to call the musicians back up. And, um. if you're here tonight and you know there's something you can do about your life do it but if you're here tonight and you've taken all your medicine and you've done all you can do there's a moment you can have and we're going to pray for you and I'd like to pray for you and um, I'm going to leave these tassels here And, and that's only if you are a tactile person and you think it would help you Um, these are my tassels. They have no inherent power. It's just, it's a metaphor, right? Like I'm not, uh, these are my tassels. We're not going some ancient tribal. He said he had magic clothes. No, no, no. What are you? No, no, no. (laughs) Um, But here's the thing. Some people find it easier if they can touch, feel, smell, they're tactile people. And if you're not, that's okay. But I'm going to leave this here, and we're going to have a moment of just a quick moment of worship. And um, and if you need prayer, um, I'd like to pray for you. So you've been sitting long enough. Would you just stand with me? No one leaving because somebody might need some prayer actually. And um, and actually, we'll have an extended time of prayer after the service. I didn't know that was happening, but um, if you if you would say Shane. I've done everything I can do, and I, I, my only hope is a touch from God in this situation. Um, I'd like to pray for you right now. So if we could just quiet the noise of our life for a second, and and if you would say, uh, if you would bow your head and close your eyes, and if you would say, Shane, Shane, that's me, I'd like, I'd like to get in on that prayer. Would you just raise your hand right now, and I'd like to pray for you. Okay, boom, boom, boom. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, there's heaps. All right. There's actually so many of you. If you got your hand up in the air, would you just come down here right now? Just just make your way down here. I'm just going to pray for you. There's nothing magic about up here. And if you'd, if you'd like to take a moment afterwards and have your moment, that's fine as well. That's fine as well. Because um, I think all of us at times need to be reminded, you know what? I've done all I can do, and that's all I got. So, Lord, I ask that this place would be a dwelling place for your name the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, God. And, Lord, I I pray that you would hear the cry of the people who say, I've done all I can do, and my only hope is a touch from you. And so, Lord, would you just let your name settle over us now, that compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, God. Would you just let that name settle, the provision wholeness, the shalom. Lord, would you just let that settle over us? Would you let that settle over us? I pray for every person here that you would just let that, that presence settle over us again thanks so much for joining us on this podcast whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of jesus there is a next step for you there is always room to grow more to be done destiny to be pursued and people to be reached so what's your next step to find out head over to northwestchurch.com.au and thanks again for listening